morning. If, if all the kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, would make their way up here, kindergarten through fifth grade, all those who are three, four, and five years old make their way to the back to meet with their teachers. And, and just whoever's leading you today, if they would just hold on just a second. I have a question for you before you go. All right. Is that okay, Jessica? Just for a second. All, all the kids, kindergarten through fifth grade up here, and, and those two, threes, fours in the back. Hey, kids, just real quick, I want to ask you a question before, before you go down. Who, who is eight years old? Is there, is there anyone who's eight? Raise your hand real high. Eight years old. They're all gathered down here. Oh, you're eight years old? Okay. You, you guys see these eight-year-olds? Let me tell you what, all of you, some, some of you have already been eight. Some of you are looking forward to being eight. But today in our lesson, while you guys are down there, we're going to be talking about a boy who was eight years old who became king over his country, okay? So, so when you guys go home with your parents afterwards, you guys are going to ask them, hey, tell us about the boy who was eight years old, who was king, okay? You, you ask, so that means you guys have to listen. Okay, so you guys could go on down. Eight years old, what's that? Yeah, you can put your arm down. <laughs> and, all right. Very good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, it's good to see you. Bye-bye. Have fun. All right. Hey, while they're, they're moving out, I, I got to share with you a story that just made me laugh this week. It'll make you laugh as well. I'm, I'm, sh I'm certain of it. Um, earlier this week, if you're familiar with Marco Polo, it's a means of, of uh, uh, sending a video message to someone. We received one from Lindsay late at night. And she says, hey, I, I have an evening report for you. She said that she uh, just put the boys down and uh, wanted to share the experience. Uh, Oliver was already in bed, she said, and, and, and Isaiah was being a punk, okay? He was causing trouble. He was, he was, I, I don't know what exactly was going on, but it was frustrating Lindsay and to the point of saying, Isaiah, you need to settle down or I'm going to swatch your bottom. Isaiah, uh, Oliver hears that and he says, hey, no, mommy, don't spank him. Remember, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I laughed out loud. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's one of those stories. And, and, and you, know what, you know what I love about that? The boy's five years old and he's quoting scripture to his mother. Isn't that great? That part of that, laugh out loud, but man, that's great. I, I love that. I love that. Um, we're, we're starting a new series today, and we're, we're calling it Day of the Lord, if you see it up there, D-O-T-L, uh, that's in short, but it's Day of the Lord, and it's out of the book of Zephaniah, out of the book of Ze Zephaniah, who? Zephaniah, um, it follows Habakkuk, and if you remember this last fall, Matthew did a great job of walking through the book of Habakkuk. And, and uh, I, I tell you, in, in that way, it inspired me. I, I, I enjoyed uh, the sermons he went through and opening up. You know, what, what's so significant about these, what we'll call them minor prophets, they're identified as minor prophets, uh, as, as these men who carry the word of God to his people. That's the significance of, of these minor prophets or any of the books of the Bible, right? They carry a, a specific message. We're going to look at that message, understand the message, or, or look to understand that message. Uh, 
be challenged by that message, encouraged by the message. That's what we're looking for uh, anytime we open the Word of God. Isn't that right? Strengthened. Uh, help me to grow. Help me to change me if I need to be changed. I mean, w- there is a prayer that we ought to pray. Uh, matter of fact, let's do that. Let's pray before we go into God's Word this morning. What are we looking for? Let's lift it up before God. Father in heaven, we praise you absolutely for your word. We praise you, Father, we get to open it, that we could read its words, uh, find its meaning. Be challenged, Lord, by what you say, not by what Ronnie says, but by what your scripture says. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit's involved in this as well. Uh, Lord, in, in our listening, Lord, we pray that he is active in, in, in that area of encouraging, of, of convicting of continuing to help us as your people grow uh, in, in this relationship we have with you. We praise you, Father, for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we dive into this book of Zephaniah, well, first of all, let me do this. Uh, this, this idea of day of judgment, or, or now, excuse me, day of the Lord, uh, basically it means that, God's judgment. And that's all I'm going to give you about the book of Zephaniah because today we're looking at Zephaniah chapter 1. And for the first time, now don't get excited about this, verse 1. That's what we're dealing with. You say, oh, well, that'll take what, five, ten minutes? No, we'll be here a little longer than that. I'll show you why. But, but we're reading Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1, and then we're going to dive into this. As I said, we're going to be looking at the boy king. So Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1 says... The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gadaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Uh, let, me, let me help you see why we're just going to dive into this. There's some real important information when you go in here. When you're reading this, if you're reading this on your own, there's, there's some things, of course, we already know Zephaniah is a prophet. The idea that the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, we know he's a prophet. The word of the Lord's coming to Zephaniah, and what he's writing down is the message that God has given him to give to his people. Okay, so he's a prophet. The other person in this verse mentioned, I want to spend some time, uh, to, so we have an understanding of when this was written. But there, it's, he's a, a significant individual. His name is Josiah. He was uh, one of the kings of Judah. And, and uh, just, just a couple of interesting things. I, I, first of all, I put down in your outline, you have printed there an outline if you picked up a bulletin, uh, both 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. Also, 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. If you read those together, you're going to see a lot of identical things and some information. But if you want to know, if you want to prepare, if you've got an eight-year-old, okay, you want to be really prepared, after the sermon today, read these passages. You'll be better ready to answer their question about who, who is uh, who's this boy king at age eight. That, that's one of the things we find out in these passages. He becomes king at eight years old. Man, they looked little. <laughs> they looked really young. Uh, the, the kingdom that... This young boy king inherited is wicked because it is full of idolatry. They were worshiping Baal. They were worshiping Molech. There was Asherah poles. 
up on, on the high places. And, and they were a wicked kingdom that this eight-year-old boy uh, inherited. And what was amazing about this is that, well, I, I should say, first of all, that the reason he was handed over as a wicked kingdom because his grandfather Manasseh, who ruled for over 50 years, and his own father Ammon, who, who ruled for two years and cut short because he was assassinated, they were, they were both wicked kings. They were both wicked. They were full of wickedness. The, a matter of fact, Manasseh came along after his father had, had been you know, focused upon God, of building the altars, rebuilding the altars to God and tearing down uh, the idolatrous things. Uh, that, that Hezekiah came along you know, as a good king that, that then Manasseh comes along and just did the complete opposite. Josiah, the, the great-great-grandson of Hezekiah, comes, comes into uh, uh, this place of being king, and he is said amongst all the kings of Judah to be one of the best. To some, after David, he is the best king. He started at eight years old. That blows my mind. I hope it does yours as well. To think he starts at eight years old, what kind of king can he be? You would think that he would follow after his father and his grandfather. Or even as the, as the kingdom presents itself. But instead, he is a catalyst. And, you know, I, I entitled this catalyst. We were thinking, well, what word do we use? Catalyst seems to be the best word in the fact that he is an agent or a, 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 sub, or a matter, matter that brings about change. He's a person that brings about change. Um, this world needs people like Josiah. I challenge you this morning. The challenge we have before us this morning, we need people like Josiah. And I identify Josiah this way. He is a committed, God-seeking influence on behalf of God. He is a committed, God-seeking influence on behalf of God. That, that's who jo Josiah is. And we need people like that. We need people. God needs people like that in this world. Isn't that right? Look at the world. Does it need good influences? Absolutely. And people of God ought to be that kind of influence. Therefore, this morning, I, I just asked the question, well, tell me about more about Josiah. We're going to try to glean from those passages out of Chronicles specifically. I went to Chronicles 34, 35, and I'll read some of those uh, verses there for you, describe some of them uh, for, for lack of time this morning. But uh, I, I want to look at some keys to developing people like that. People who are committed to God, uh, to seeking after God and being influencers in this world. My, my first point is this. It's, it's, first of all, what's needed is godly examples. Now, in the point I put this, our youth need godly examples. Maybe it's because Josiah was so in my mind and thinking he is eight years old to, to grow up and be an influencer. Hey, it's just a true statement. Our youth need godly examples. The kids that lined up here, the kids who went back there, our, our, our middle school, junior high, our, our middle school, middle school, high school kids that are here with us uh, this morning, they need godly influences. Man, again, I'll say it, the world needs godly influences. But here, one of, one of our heart's concerns ought to be for our youth. We must lead uh, our, our children. Now, the, the pattern uh, from from 
grandfather and father needs to change for Josiah? How does that happen in an eight-year-old boy? There had to be some influences. Uh, in verse 2, one of his greatest influences, the one, one that's really clearly there, it's King David. It's King David. It says, it says in verse 2 of, of 1 Chronicles, oh, excuse me, let, let me read those two verses for you. I skipped that. First two verses of, of 1 Chronicles chapter 34 says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. This, this is an overview of his life before he gets into a story. It, Verse 2 says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. What does that mean? That idea that he, he, he went directly. He, he had a path to follow and it was after God. He wasn't distracted and didn't turn to any kind of sinfulness this way or distracted by the things of the world and went this way. He, he, he went straight. He was directed by God and followed that path. That's a great definition for one of the kings of Judah. In verse 3, he goes on to talking about uh, all that, that Josiah has done. We'll get on to that later. But I want to point out that David is that example. Did you hear that in verse 2? He said, you know, he, 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 uh, let me read it again. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David. Now, Father David, we're talking 14 generations uh, about 14 or 15 generations between David and Josiah. That's a long time. And so for some reason, Josiah is looking clear back to King David. And, and so we, we must assume that there's some people telling him about, hey, David. And, and the stories of David, because of how great a King David was, are still being told. Matter of fact, there's some things written by David and maybe and, and possibly chronicles and other things being written that he was able to, to refer to, to look at. He knew the story of David and Goliath. David, who stood up on behalf of the God uh, over all Israel, and, and, and when, when a giant stood up and, and threatened, now he stood up against that giant, and, and you know, even though no one else would, as a young boy, which probably had interest for an eight-year-old, right? Our kids love to hear that story where a young boy who, who comes out and takes down a giant because he was, he was blaspheming, he was uh, uh, defaming the name of God, uh, the God of their nation, and he stood up for him. So that story and many others had to be an influence over David, Dave, or, or over Josiah. David heard those stories. I believe that had to be a great influence on him. Didn't talk about who was the ones telling the stories. We really don't know. Later on when he's uh, at the age of 26, there's another person that's referred to. It is a prophetess, Huldah. When, when, when the cleansing of the temple happened, they, something specific happened, he, he sent his officials to go and, and find out, hey, go ask the prophetess. Who speaks on behalf of God? Her name is Huldah. She's verse 22 if you want to find out more. We just don't know who else is named. I do wonder about Zephaniah. When I first began to read, I wonder where Zephaniah was. Was Zephaniah a possibly an influence? He was not mentioned in Chronicles and Kings, which has me thinking, well, maybe he wasn't present. But here, let me go back to that, that uh, genealogy that was laid out at the beginning of Zephaniah. In that chapter 1. 
It lays it out. So, okay, well, Zephaniah was the son of Cushi, the son of Gadaliah, uh, the son of Am- Amariah, the son of Hezekiah. It, see, he is, is well, had, was part of this line of, of David. Hezekiah, that good king, uh, there was there's maybe a distant relative. Zephaniah was related to Josiah. So if he was older, I would think, well, maybe he had some place, you know, being, being a descendant of, of uh, Hezekiah, he had, had some kind of welcome in, in the court or in the, in, the king, in the kingdom or even with his, his uh, distant relative, Josiah. Who knows? But, but part of the idea, too, is there's, there's like four generations between Hezekiah and Josiah, but five generations between Hezekiah and and Zephaniah. So in some ways, I'm I'm thinking maybe maybe something as I study and as we go through this, we'll see differently. But I'm thinking he might have been younger, maybe maybe around the same age or even younger than than Josiah. So Zephaniah is a possibility. We know he becomes a great influence because he speaks on God's behalf later on. We're going to get into that. Listen. Before I move on to the next point, we must lead our children yeah, and, and our teens. We, we need to lead our youth. We need to lead our... Oh, isn't that right? I, 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 know, I don't know of anybody who would disagree with that this morning. Our kids need to know who God is. Our, our, our kids need to know who God is. That oh, I have no doubt in my mind he created. I have no doubt in my mind that he's involved and active in this world. I see it. I know it. I understand his word. I'd love to tell his stories. And our kids need to hear these stories told with joy and excitement, right? Uh, you know, uh, we, we need to, to definitely have that as a church. We think about our programs. Uh, you know, when I think about programs, I think about Wednesday night. Good things are happening amongst our adults and, and Lindsay with the children's group. And, and now we've got Caleb uh, uh, coming on Wednesday night and working with our teens, uh, and, and what we've been doing over the past several years is, is finding someone who cares for the preschoolers and, and the infants. We've been putting them in the room. And, and it's, people don't run to it, though. You know why? Because we just say, well, this is child care. I, I would, in, in the past few, several weeks, I've been part of Ty and Robert's class. Love that class. But I've been watching 12 kids show up on Wednesday night. And, and some of those are three, four, and five-year-olds. Impressionable. Uh, the ability to be able to read a book and they'll pay attention. We got some toddlers in there that, that some grandmas ought to be loving on, right? Two, two or three of them. And, and I guess part of, part, uh, part of my own heart says, I would love to do more in this hour with our toddlers. So I'm, this is my advertisement. Anybody have that same heart as I do that says, I would love to spend some time. Give me an hour with some toddlers, uh, we're going to do some activities. We're, uh, this last week, I was so, I, I've asked Emily Stanfield, who's here. Uh, she, she's not in Emporia, praise God. She's, she's actually here doing some studies class, uh, classes. I said, Emily, help me on Wednesday nights. And she's been doing that. This last week, she got out plates, and she had some of the, the older kids painting and doing some things. More activity than they've been doing. I don't want to occupy time with even our toddlers. I, w- I, w- I want to present to them God. If I have just an opportunity just to lay one seed of who God is in that night, I want to, I want to do that. Uh, you know, I know some of our teachers have been reading and things like that, but I want to be more planned and on purpose. So if, if your heart's like that, let, 
let me know. I'd li- I'd li- I want to build a team on Wednesday night, a team of people. I want to see that happening. And then I want to hand Lindsay, right, Lindsay, some kids who are already into, into some scriptures, right? Right? And I know parents are already doing that too. So we just want to support that. So let me talk to that. Who are we as a church? Well, we're wanting to foster the family of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, we hired this great guy, Matthew. Love Matthew. And he comes in as a specialist. But he's, he's not coming in in order for him to be the great influencer over all our youth. He is to be here as an encourager and support overall to the church. I want his encouragement, his influence, uh, his excitement uh, about our teens coming to loving Jesus become a part of our heart as well. Man, we catch some of that. Lindsay, even as a volunteer, we know she loves children. And we see it. We see her passion for the kids and what, what her and Rachel are doing on Wednesday nights with him. And, you know, that's great. It's, there's a program, but it, it needs to be something caught by us all. That our kids are coming to know Jesus. Are you with me on that? I know you're with me on that. That's absolutely what we want to happen. But, but I love the way that, that even Jessica went down this morning. And part of that is because Lindsay says, I can't do it all. Thank you. Step aside. Let some parents go down with our kids. I'm, I'm glad that many of you had the opportunity to do that. To take that time to teach our children. And even more so, as I said that, you know, Matthew is here as a special. Eric is here. He's a discipler. He just doesn't lead our music. The way he loves his family, the way he loves his daughters, is, is an example that's set before us. And, and, and the, the absolute commitment and conviction in his heart that God is. And, and that God is love. God sent Jesus. I mean, that, that's, in, that's in Eric. And, and he's part of that. So those are the paid guys, but we're here not to do it all. We're here to, to foster the family of God. And I see that happening when others are going down to teach. And, and I've got other guys up here preaching. I love Mark preaching. I listen to it. I love the fact that he, you had the opportunity to see Mark's heart last week. That's significant to me. That's significant. Um, let me, I need to move on. Sorry, I get caught up into that. One thing, I don't want to do that. Uh, we, the world needs godly examples. And he's godly people who want to be influencers over this world on his behalf for God, right? Uh, the second thing, the world needs people who commit to seeking after God. Commitment. Commitment's there in, in, in uh, Josiah. Listen to verse 3. Listen to what he says. I think this is one of the most powerful uh, verses when it comes to Josiah. Listen to what he says. It says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young. Okay, stop here just for a second. Okay, he started when he was eight. It's in his eighth year. The boy's 16 years old. Okay, Ronnie knows how to do math. Okay, you're with me. In the eighth year of his reign, when he's 16, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. I think that's huge. And I'll tell you why I think that's used. It's not that, oh, okay, all of a sudden he found God, so he's going to start to seek him. I think it was eight years of investing that got him to the place that says, I want to seek God. It is a commitment. It's not a wandering. He's saying, okay, I don't want to seek after Baal. I don't want to seek after a a Moloch. I don't want to seek after any of the the non-gods. 
that you guys are grabbing a hold of. I want to seek God. That's what I see Josiah doing here at 16. It is a commitment. It is a conviction in his heart. That's where we want our children, our youth to come to. That's where we want any adults who are seeking to come to that great conclusion. I will no longer pursue anything else. I'm going to seek God. I think that's significant. I do believe that, that uh, Josiah had access to some of the things that David said and read, whether it was just being told or things that was already written out. Uh, one of the verses is back in, in 1 Chronicles 28 and 9. This is when David was speaking to his son Solomon before he took the throne. Here's what he said. He says, And you, my son Solomon... Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. This is a father to his son, or is also a king to the coming king, okay? He said, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. Then he says to conclude, he says, if you seek him, he will find, he, he will be found by you. If you seek God, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Do you think, do you think uh, Josiah heard that and listened to that? Probably Baron, oh, absolutely Baron Solomon did. We know that, right? But Josiah decided with conviction, I believe, to, to seek after God, to seek after God. At 16, the, the second part of that verse 3 says, in, in his 12th year, now we do the addition thing again, at 20 years old, in, in his 12th year of his reign, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, as Asherah poles and idols. If you continue to go on, uh, verse 4, you know, it's, it's about taking out Moloch, it's about taking out anything that represented this godless idolatry that his nation was a part of. How did that happen? It happened two years after he made the commitment that I, I'm only going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. So in the two years, you, you kind of think, well, man, he's growing, he's building, he's in that commitment. And what is he growing into? And he's growing into a love and a passion for God. I, I believe he's growing in, into that commitment, a sound and solid commitment for God. And then when he hits 20, he's looking around and he's seeing these detestable, and it is becoming detestable to him. He just can't stand it anymore. He sees these altars to these false gods that his nation is worshiping. Why did it take him two years? Well, he's growing in that relationship with God. And, and, and so at, at two years later, when he's 20, he says, cut it down, tear it down, get it out of here. And he does a whole lot more than that if you, if you read on uh, in, in Chronicles. You know, hey, we need the conviction to do some purging. <laughs> Isn't that right? For, for those of you who are truly seeking after God, you know what it means, right? You have an understanding of what it is to purge. I came to Jesus and all of a sudden, you know, the deceitfulness. It doesn't have a place in my life anymore. That is detestable before God. The sexual immorality, the things I've looked at, it, it doesn't have a place in my life anymore. It is detestable before God. I can't stand that. I, I don't want to be a part of those things that go so contrary to my holy God. 
And so I want to get those out. So it's, it's a personal thing at the beginning. But, but you'll see this as well. As you begin to watch the world around you, man, all the detestable things that are happening. God, what do we do? God, make me an influence. God, move me as an instrument to purge this world of wickedness. Who, me? Well, that's what Josiah did, definitely did. That's what jo- Josiah was, was motivated to do at age 20, at the age of, uh, of 20. Listen, uh, we, we need to be personally involved in purging. We know what purging is if we understand what Jesus has done for us. And the, and the sinfulness that we're forgiving of. We understand this purging here and then even looking and having a, a heart for this world to purge it uh, of evil as well. Finally, finally, the world needs people who respond to God's word. Here, here's the significant story that happens some years later after, after he makes that decision to seek God. You see, a, a good portion, actually a significant portion of the scriptures, has, he hasn't even had it. He hasn't had the word of God and, and specifically the law of God. Uh, he hasn't been able to read through that. And, and what happens is that after he does all this purging, another part of what, what's in his heart, he looks at the temple, and it, it's, it's in bad shape. It's in bad shape. Nobody's been caring for it. They've actually been doing idolatrous things in the temple, and it's, it, it, it just wasn't cared for. The only one had a heart for God, that place for God. And so jo- Josiah sees it, and he he. he collects money, and he, he sends workers in to go restore that temple of God, that dwelling place of God. And, and while one of his officials is in there cleaning up, they found the book of the law. It, it wasn't respected over the many 50-some years, over the past you know, couple of generations behind Josiah. And it was disrespected. And so they found the book of the law, and, and they brought it. Uh, his secretary came and brought it to, to Josiah, and Josiah had him read it. And what, the book of the law, let me, let me tell you what that is. We believe whenever it says the book of the law, we always think about the five books uh, that, that Moses wrote. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Even more specific, man, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, where God uh, takes that time to speak to his people, establishing a covenant with them that the law was very important for. Because he said, in this covenant where I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, you need to obey. And then within those books of the law, he lays out, he said, if you continue to, to follow after what I lay out for you, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, it's going to be an amazing blessing. I'm going to bless everything about you. I'm going to bless your animals. I'm going to bless your land. I'm going to bless you, you and multiply you. But he, then he also says, let me give you an idea. Uh, uh, just uh, some of the content from Deuteronomy that he must have heard. And then I'll tell you his response. He also says, however, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I should tell you. And beginning verse 19, he says, however... If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees, I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land 
and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke and everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you in, with wasting disease and fever and inflammation. With, and it goes on and on. I, I, could, I didn't know where exactly. I, I thought, I just want you to hear what was said. Could you imagine being king over a, 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 of a nation of Israel or Judah, excuse me. And you're the king over the nation of Judah. You know how they've been idolatrous. You know how the people's hearts have turned against God. And then you hear these words. You understand why the next thing it says is he took his robe and he tore it. He tore it. He was sorrowful. He couldn't believe what he was hearing from God. And he held it to be from God. And he tore his robe. And it was, it was that act of repentance. It's part of that act of repentance where for his whole nation he was acting. And, and I think it's important to look at the... the you know, repentance, we know what repentance is. Oh, boy, we feel really bad about this. I'll rip my clothes and things like that. But no, repentance is really what followed. It wasn't just that remorse, that, that sorrow that he felt. He, he acted. I believe that's repentance. There is action behind it. He, first of all, continued that idea of removing. He continued to remove all the idolatrous things that had been placed over his kingdom. He even went further towards, uh, towards the north, northern kingdom, into, into the area of Manasseh and Ephraim. And he, and he removed the, the, the high places and tore them down. And, and just, and I could, I just the, the things he had disdain for because these were not true gods. And, and, and he was pursuing, you know, kept seeking that, that one and only God. And, and so now with the word, he just continued to do that. He continued to remove, and then he also restored. He restored for them. The, the, the restoration was a rebuilding of the covenant that he heard in that book of the law, the book of the covenant that said, I will be your God, you will be my people. Isn't that the covenant that you're under through Jesus? Isn't that right? He is our God. And, and that commitment. So he did it with the nation. He stood by the pillars and he had the book of the law read. And then, matter of fact, I love this part. That, that it said that, that Josiah and, and, and all his soul and all his strength dedicated himself to following his word. Isn't that what it, we're, we're to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And that's actually laid out for Josiah. He did this because he was passionate about God. And he laid it out and the people heard the word. And then they all together spoke and renewed their covenant with God. Change. And, and, and then it was that Passover they saw. And I, I think it's very significant in, in the second part or the, 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 the chapter 29. When, oh, excuse me, not 29. When it comes to the second part or chapter in, in uh, Chronicles that it lays out. It said they, they set up to celebrate the, the Passover in verse 17. He says, the, 
The Israelites who were present celebrated the Passover at that time and observed the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. And none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover, Passover as did Josiah with the priests and the Levites and all Judah and all Israel. They were present. What, what's the Passover except an identification that it is God who is our deliverer? God's our deliverer. I, I tell you what, let me, let me get here to the conclusion. I apologize. I'm a little, that's what I get for taking a vacation time and resting up. I missed last week. I got to catch up. Anyway, again, man, Josiah. Josiah, man, the world needs people like Josiah. I want to emphasize that. We need examples, godly examples, people who are passionate about God who absolutely are going to follow after him, who's going to purge their lives of the ugliness, sinfulness, and then have that desire, man, I want to affect the world along with that. And, and again, Josiah is, is defined like this. He is a committed, God-seeking influence. Let me tell you what. Josiah is a type of Jesus. You know, Josiah looked to David. Who do you look to? Jesus. No greater influence has come into this world but Jesus. The, 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 the Son of God has come into this world. We have his word before us. We can read it. We can understand the story. We know we're called to love. We know we're called to mercy and forgiveness. We know we're called to repentance. And he moves us. He, he brings us to that place to becoming a god Seeking a committed God-seeking influencer over this world. That's who we are as a people. Isn't that right? Jesus, when I say he's a type, you know, there's so much in the Old Testament. Is, look, well, we know where God's going. Look, look what this is just a type of what's coming. Josiah, in the way that he 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 influenced this world, the way he pursued God, is exactly what Jesus came and did, and he did it perfectly for us. We need to be good examples. We absolutely need good examples. We need to be the people of commitment to him, to, to the God who loves us and he gave his all for us. We need to be committed to him, and we need to commit to honoring his word, loving his word. Uh, one, one last thing on that, that I, I, I neglected to say. If your word is not busy, if only for Sunday, then, then I, I have to question whether you have that, that commitment, that, that desire to seek after God, if you've never had that desire to really seek after God. Don't let it sit idle during the week. People, listen. Listen to me, please. If you've got anything, listen to this. If you are a God-seeking person, you loving God, and your word, and, and the, the Bible sits on the shelf, and it's not being involved in your life, uh, throughout the week, then I question whether you are truly a person that's seeking after God. Are you seeking after God? Man, when it was revealed to him, oh, man, the way it changed his life. His word, it is his word. Are you listening to him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for I praise you for the stories like Josiah and other, others who have done this well. Lord, may they continue to be laid before us as examples to, to pursue. May he be an encouragement, even a challenge to us today 
to love you the way that you need to be loved, to have a conviction working in us, Lord, that, that is unsettling, that, that has us moving on your behalf. Father, we praise you for Jesus. Lord, a greater story than Josiah. The fact that he came into this world was obedient and, and showed us what a real, true, God-seeking person he, uh, should, should look like. Someone who's passionate, someone who's, who is absolutely pursuing the things uh, that you have laid out that you desire. That righteousness and holiness and the things of mercy and grace. God, we praise you for that part. We need Jesus. So we praise you today and ask, Lord, you lead us, guide us as we continue to seek and worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.